Have you ever felt like God is taking you through some hard places, maybe even some dark spaces? Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth reminds us you might have a lot of questions. And then you say, well, what about the future? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if my life falls apart? What if I lose my job? What if my husband loses his job? What if I don't ever get married? What if we can't have children? What if we lose this child? What if we go bankrupt? What And all the things we can think of, and you know what? Some of those things may happen. Some of those things will happen. But God is still there. He is still present. He is still alive. He is still active. He is still at work in the hearts and lives and on behalf of His people. God is always good, and He's always there, even when that's hard to believe. Welcome to Revive Our Hearts Weekend. I'm Dana Gresh. Sometimes it is hard to believe that God is at work, especially if you go for a very long time without an answer to prayer. Can I encourage you a little bit with a testimony of praise because I'm out of my mind excited about something God is orchestrating in my life right now, and maybe it'll encourage you. I've been sensing for many years that God wants me to connect to, to build bridges with a specific local congregation in my community, and the reasons aren't relevant, but the burden is big. Many times, I've tried to make that happen by befriending women in that church, attending events offered in conjunction with it, and attempting to team up with individuals within their church community. Why, I've even written to the pastor about my desire, but nothing's come of it. So a few days ago, I was burdened again, and I just began to pray, Lord, nothing I've tried has worked. If you're in this, as I think you are, I need some encouragement. I'm growing weary. As I continued in prayer, the essence to my prayers was, Lord, give me the heart of that church. Well, an hour later, I went about my day. I met a friend for lunch who told me that she had a friend who wanted to meet me, the mother of a teen girl who used my true girl discipleship tools in her daughter's life and who just learned that we happened to live in the same town. She told my friend, do you know Dana Gresh lives in this town? Now, this woman had a great burden that she felt was from God to befriend me. And then here's where it gets really exciting. My friend told me that this woman is the adult daughter of the pastor of the church I've been praying to God about. Ah, Talk about giving me the heart of the church. I cannot wait to see what God does with our friendship. And guess what? I haven't even met her yet takes my breath away when God answers a prayer like that. But you know, it also takes the air right out of me when I experience long spells of silence from God. Sometimes when I'm in the deepest places of pain, it seems like God's just not hearing my prayers. And that makes the pain, well, a lot heavier to carry. We've all been there, right? Sometimes it seems that God is seriously delayed in His response. In fact, recently I was praying about something and had quite a different experience than the story I just shared. It just didn't seem as if God was in a hurry to answer me. I was saying, Lord, I need an answer. I need it now. Please hurry. But the answer seemed to be no, or or at least wait. I shared my angst with Nancy DeMoss-Wagamuth while we were recording an episode of Revive Our Hearts, and here was her response. Yeah, I can relate to that. In fact, there are a number of people that Robert and I pray for each night before we go to sleep, and several of those people 
desperately need the Lord to intervene in their lives. There's some prodigals. Uh, there's some young people who, whose parents are crying themselves to sleep at night because um, those kids' hearts have turned away from the Lord. And we have asked the Lord night after night, month after month, year after year, to draw those young people to Himself. And at the moment, in some of their lives, there's no evidence yet that God is doing anything to turn their hearts. But the fact is, God is always at work. And one of the things that I know He does, especially as I think about these prodigals and their parents who carry such a burden for these sons and daughters, is God's not just about changing those kids. God's also in the process of changing those parents and those grandparents as they take to Him the concerns that are on their hearts. Elizabeth Elliot was a woman who knew a lot about prayer. She knew a lot about God's delays when it comes to answered prayer. I love to think about the fact that there's never a minute in the entire universe when prayer is not going up. I believe that that is not an exaggeration. Prayer is always ascending to heaven. And I find it very encouraging in my quiet time in the morning to realize that I, as a solitary woman in a solitary room, praying on my knees, that I can bring my prayers into this great orchestra that God is orchestrating. And I'm just one instrument in the orchestra. But there's a hymn that I love that Jim Elliott and I used to sing often at sunset when we were living in the jungle. It tells about this whole concept of prayer being all over the world. As o'er each continent and island, the dawn brings on another day. The voice of prayer is never silent, nor die the strains of praise away. We thank thee that thy church, unsleeping as earth rolls onward into light, through all the world her watch is keeping and rests not now by day or night. So no matter how feeble and foolish and uh, stuttering my prayers may be to God, I believe that they are carried up to God, as the book of Revelation tells us, from the angel with the censer and the golden altar. God knows what to do with those prayers. Some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the lovely little story that Amy Carmichael told to her little Indian children about when she was a little girl at the age of three, she was told that God answers prayer. And since she believed everything that grown-ups told her, she figured that this was something that she should test. Does God really answer prayer? And there was one thing that she wanted more than anything else in the world, which was blue eyes and she had brown eyes. And so she got down by her bed before she went to sleep that night, and she prayed that God would change those brown eyes into blue ones, and went to sleep confident that in the morning her eyes would be blue. She woke up in the morning, jumped out of bed, pushed a chair over to where she could climb up to look at a mirror, and looked into the mirror at the same old brown eyes. And she said to her children years and years later, I don't remember whether it was an adult who said this to me or whether it was really God himself who spoke these words to me, but somebody said, isn't no an answer? And very often, God's answer is no, isn't it, to our prayers.
And so that was a very great lesson for her, of course. Little could she have imagined at that time that there would be occasions in India, many years later as a missionary, when it would be essential that she be taken for an Indian, or she might have been killed. So her very life depended on the fact that she had very dark hair and very dark eyes. God does know what he's doing, doesn't he? I heard the great missionary to China who had been a London parlor maid. Her name was Gladys Aylward. She didn't know anything except how to do parlors in London, but she told us, this was back in the 1960s, just shortly before she died, I heard her speak up in Canada, and she told us how Jehovah God had sent her to China. She found herself standing on the wharf in China, looking around on all the people to whom Jehovah God had sent her. And she said, I thought about the fact that when I was growing up, I had two great sorrows. One, when all my friends were still rowing, I stopped. <laughs> and the other, when all my friends still had beautiful golden hair, mine was black. So she said, I stood on the wharf and I looked around all the people to whom Jehovah God had sent me, and every single one of them had black hair, and every single one of them had stopped rowing when I did. <laughs> and I said, Lord God, you know what you're doing. <laughs> he does know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he doesn't overlook the most pitiful prayer of the tiniest child. Mm, he knows what he's doing. He doesn't overlook the most pitiful prayer of the tiniest child, and he won't overlook your prayer. No matter what you're asking God to help you with right now, from a grieving heart to understanding the color of the eyes he gave you to begging him to bring a prodigal home, God hears. You know, speaking of praying for prodigals, I invite you to join me and thousands of others as we seek God to bring them back to His heart this week. June 2nd is the Worldwide Day of Prayer for the Prodigal. Could you just maybe pull out your phone and set an alarm on that day to pray? The term prodigal has become synonymous with someone who behaves recklessly, damaging their relationship with family and friends. In the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, we see the son taking his inheritance and leaving, later returning. You know, I'm deeply burdened for this issue and recently became even more motivated to pray. I want to sound the alarm here. 22% of young people are considered prodigals, and that number has doubled in the last 10 years, and it's projected to double in the next 10 years. There's even a big concern that the pandemic will accelerate the issue here. This is a big deal, and we need to be motivated to pray. Now, I bet you know someone whose heart is breaking over this issue, a mom whose daughter is far from the Lord, or a grandmother who's praying for her grandchildren. Might you call them, pray with them on June 2nd? I think it would mean a lot to them. I'm sure it would. And if you happen to be the one who's praying for a prodigal, you can become a member of the prayer community at prayerforprodigals.com. It's a password-secured online community you can join and confidentially share your pain and your prayers. Again, that's prayerforprodigals.com.
listening to Revive Our Hearts Weekend. I'm Dana Gresh. Something that helps me when I feel like God isn't hearing my prayers is simply to recite scripture that reminds me He cares. A favorite passage of mine, and well, actually it's a favorite of many, is Psalm 23. Can I just read that over you right now? It reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm, That sounds good, doesn't it? Of course, it doesn't always erase the questions and doubts and confusions. You can still think, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? We're certainly masters at imagining the worst outcome possible, aren't we? And that becomes especially pronounced when we forget that God is good and that His goodness follows us right beside His mercy. Nancy Damas Walgamuth taught on Psalm 23 once, and I'd like you to hear what she has to say about God's goodness. Here's Nancy. Is there ever a moment when the Lord is not there? Is there ever a moment when He's not at work? Is there ever a moment when he's not active on behalf of his people? It says to me, you better make sure you're one of his sheep. Because if you are, you never have to walk through a moment of this life on your own. And then you say, well, what about the future? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if my life falls apart? What if I lose my job? What if my husband loses his job? What if I don't ever get married? What if we can't have children? What if we lose this child? What if we go bankrupt? What And all the things we can think of. And you know what? Some of those things may happen. Some of those things will happen. But God is still there. He is still present. He is still alive. He is still active. He is still at work in the hearts and lives and on behalf of his people. And verse 6 tells us what we can anticipate. Yes, we can anticipate problems from here till heaven. And some very serious ones. I don't mean to make light of them, but I'm saying there's a reality that is greater than any problems you may face between now and the time you see the Lord. And what's the promise? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. No matter what else happens, one thing I know for sure. In fact, some of your translations will have a marginal note there. Only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There's a confidence there. There's assurance. There's no doubt. There's no insecurity. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The goodness of God. And you see that in contrast to the evil that we saw earlier in this psalm. I will fear no evil. There is evil in this world, but I don't fear it because God's goodness, which overcomes all evil follows me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy like a pair of bodyguards, always attending me, always following me, always on my heels, always the goodness of God in spite of the presence of evil. 
And you see the goodness of God in contrast with the enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, but here's God pursuing us. There are enemies pursuing with the intent to harm and to destroy, but there's God's goodness and God's mercy pursuing or following all the way. I was looking last night in um, John MacArthur's topical study Bible, and he says that the goodness of God is declared in the scripture to be great, to be rich, abundant, satisfying, enduring, and universal. And that's what's following me all the days of my life, that goodness of God. And because of his goodness and his mercy following me, my past is covered. His mercy, that's God's covenant-keeping love, his steadfast love, his mercy that forgives all my iniquities, puts them behind me, remembers them against me no more. Hallelujah. God's goodness and his mercy cover my past. It means my present is secure. I'm cared for, followed by God's mercy and goodness. It means my future is secure. I will always be cared for by God's goodness and mercy. There's no need to worry, to fret, to stay awake at night, or to obsess about the future. Don't go there. Because the only thing you know for sure about the future is that God's goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Don't borrow trouble. You don't know that that's going to happen. What you do know is that God's goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That word follow would probably be better translated pursue. His goodness and his mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. And so David is saying as a shepherd king here, God's covenant love has been with me when all was going well, when I was in green pastures and by still waters. God's covenant love and goodness were with me when I walked through the valley of deepest darkness. So I know Looking at that past track record, as I look to the future, I know surely that his unfailing love will follow me all the days of my life. God is good when we are not. God is merciful when we have sinned. We know that all the days of our lives, we will not be good. We will not always be faithful, but God will always be good. He will always be faithful. Mm, I love that. God is good when we are not. His goodness and His mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. Oh, friend, if you're struggling right now, remember and cling to that promise. His goodness and His mercy will pursue you all the days of your life. If you need some evidence of that goodness chasing someone down, well, I have a story you simply need to hear. It'll refresh your heart, make you want to pray, help you believe the prayers you've been praying are being answered, even if you've been praying them for a long time and see no evidence that God is at work. I think I'll let the man who saw this one unfold tell the story. Sammy Tippett knows about being on his knees and crying out to God and then having to wait patiently for an answer. Sammy travels around the world sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and sometimes he has to wait and wait and wait for God to answer. But because of his patience, he's seeing God answer request after request. Over 35 years ago, Sammy and his team were in a little town called Galatz in Romania, and he was not prepared for how God would answer their prayers in that sweet place. Here's Sammy Tippett. 
There at Galatz, there's a river. We went to the riverbed every night, to the right next to the river. And we'd look across and you could see the former Soviet Union. And we would pray, oh God, pour out your spirit there. Send revival there. Lord, let your kingdom come. And we would weep. And when I say we, it would be a group of Americans and Romanians together. We would go down there and we would pray and we would seek the face of God. And we'd say, God, let your kingdom be extended. Oh, God, don't let it stop here, what you're doing here. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that it would go in the former Soviet Union. We did this for eight years. And probably the greatest thing that we did was when we went across those mountains. No one else had ever gone across the mountains. Finally, my friend Titus said to me, he said, Sammy, we need to bring, instead of a, an American singing group, we need to bring a Romanian singing group. I said, Titus, uh, would that be dangerous for those young people? He said, yes. They may lose their education. They may go to jail. But that's a part of the cost. Brought a young people singing group. And in order to be in the singing group, you had to memorize 1 John, 1 Peter, and the book of James. And they would stand, sing a song, quote a chapter, sing a song, quote a chapter, sing a song, quote a chapter, sing a song, quote a chapter. Those young people so on fire for Jesus. 1988, when I was arrested and put out of the country, they told me you'd never be allowed back in the country. What they didn't know was that God is on his throne. 1989, in December, an evangelical pastor in Timisoara was to be arrested. And when the Securitate came and they joined, uh, Christians came and they made a circle around his home to try to protect him from being arrested. And they joined arm in arm and the Securitate came in, the secret police came in, and they began to fire into innocent men, women, and children. And when the blood of the martyrs began to flow into the streets of, of Timisoara, there was a release of God's glory among the people of God. 200,000 people gathered in the main square of Timmy Schwada. Peter Dugalescu, pastor of the First Baptist Church, stood. They were gathered to protest. These were not Christians. These were atheists, people who had been taught all of their lives there is no God from kindergarten to postgraduate university level. They, they gathered to protest the slaughter of these innocent men, women, and children. And Peter Dugalescu stood, and he began to preach. And as he began to preach, there was a release of God's Spirit. And 200,000 people begin to shout, Exist the Dumnezeo! Exist the Dumnezeo! Exist the Dumnezeo! Which translated means, There is a God, there is a God, there is a God. This spread to every major metropolitan center in the nation. Romanian friends contacted me, said, Sammy, that for which we have been praying has finally happened. You must return right now. I left everything I was doing. I was actually speaking, I think, at Precepts Ministries at the time. And I left Precepts, and I got on a plane, flew to Vienna, Austria. And friends picked me up in Vienna. We drove to the border where they said, you will never, you will never be allowed back in this country again. We pulled up to that border crossing, and it was always the first question to ask at the border was always this question. Do you have Bibles? If you have Bibles, you were in trouble. We pulled up. I'll never forget that night. I have a picture of it in my office. I'll never forget that night. Soldiers came out. The snow was coming down. It was cold. Everyone was trying to leave the country. A revolution was in progress. We were the only ones going in. 
The soldier said, get out of the car. We got out of the car. And they asked this question, are you Christians? My heart began to beat, and I said, yes, sir, we're Christians. And I will never forget what happened next. That soldier threw his arms open wide and said, welcome to the new Romania. And on the very spot where they told me you will never be allowed back in this country, on that very spot, we knelt and gave glory and honor and praise to Jesus Christ. And we went in, and what I can tell you is for the next five years, the evangelistic harvest was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. In fact, they said to me, they said, Sammy, as soon as it warms up, you must come back and we must hold an evangelistic crusade in the football stadiums here in Romania. One week before their first elections, I went into Romania, and for the first time in the history of the nation, I stood in a football stadium to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and right before I preached, my interpreter turned to me and he said, Sammy, do you know what today is? I said, what's today? He said, today is the day that God has answered the prayer that our pastor taught us to pray years ago that we would stand in the great stadiums and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I fell on my face on that platform. I said, oh God. Wow. Only God. Only God. We serve a mighty and powerful God, and He can bring the prodigal home, and He can save the lost souls in Romania. I hope you're encouraged by what you heard today and reminded of the truth that God hears our prayers. He is good, and He is always at work. So friend, press into your prayers. Press into them. This weekend, I'm praying specifically for two things, and I want to boldly ask you to join me. First, did you know that the flagship program of Revive Our Hearts with teaching from Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth is heard all over the world, from South Africa to South America, from France to Iran, women are being called to freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness in Christ through this ministry. And this is so exciting to me. I want to thank you for being a part of it, for listening to us, for sharing our joy, and for giving. Well, let me get on to that prayer request. This is the last weekend of May, and Monday, we're closing the books on our financial year. Now, at the beginning of the month, we had a need to raise $750,000 to keep bringing biblical content to women around the globe. I want to ask, will you pray with me that we make it? And if you feel led as you pray, you might consider making a gift of any amount to help us cross this important finish line. We need to hear from you this weekend. If you'd like to give, visit reviveourhearts.com, and you can also see the progress bar to see how far we have to go in these last few hours there at the website. Or, of course, you can call us at 1-800-569-5959 to make your donation today. That's 1-800-569-5959. But please... Be sure to pray with me this weekend over this important issue. Another thing I'm praying for this weekend is comfort. For those families whose sacrifice for our country has been great. Monday, we'll observe Memorial Day. Let's not forget to remember, men and women have served and sacrificed so that you and I can live in a free nation. And this weekend, we honor those men and women 
I'd also like to encourage you to pray for the family members they've left behind. And if you're a part of a family who sent your loved ones off to war and never had the chance to welcome them home, thank you. I wish I could hug you and tell you that while I look into your eyes. I want you to know I'm praying for you. Next week, we'll talk about friendships. They're important, they're needed, and at times, they're messy, but always worth it. Practical tips and advice, but most importantly, what God has to say about being a friend on the next Revive Our Hearts weekend. Thanks for listening today. Revive Our Hearts is an outreach of Life Action Ministries.